Welcome to Community Christian Church. My name is Ed Martin. We're so glad you're here to be with us today. For those of you joining us online, thanks for taking the time to do that. I hope one day you'll come out and join us at one of our campuses in person because you're literally only getting a little bit of the experience by getting the content online. But today we're starting a brand new series called How to Wreck a Relationship in 30 Days. So let me tell you how we got to this relationship series. Last year, we did a series uh, talking about uh, the divide that's in our country. Uh, and what I mean by the divide, I mean how there just seems to be these divides over everything where something will happen and people just rage at each other at it and we seem to be more divided than we've ever been and it, it's just a culture of outrage. What we wanted to talk about is not the problem out there, but how we as followers of Jesus live in that kind of culture. And we ended that series by giving out uh, t-shirts like this that say on the front of it, love everyone always. Well, here's the story with me and t-shirts. I, I, don't, I don't wear t-shirts all that much. Around the house I wear t-shirts, uh, but I'm just not a t-shirt kind of guy. And if I do wear a t-shirt, it's probably a Braves t-shirt or a really dirty t-shirt that I use to do projects around the house. And you might see me at Home Depot in one of those. But occasionally, over the last 18 months, I've worn a t-shirt like this. And I've been quite amazed by the number of people that have just, I don't even know, woke up and go, man, I love that. I, that's what we need. I, I hope people will do that. Good for you, they'll say. And I've heard from other people, you have the same kind of reaction. Well, this kind of idea of loving everyone always, let me say, if you're at one of our campuses live this week, we have a few of these left over, and if you didn't get one, talk to somebody in a green t-shirt, they will get you one of these. We only have one size, and it's only good for while supplies last, we aren't ordering anymore. But uh, you can get one of these shirts today. Anyway, uh, that idea of loving everyone always is such a great thing. In fact, uh, people sort of said, I think it's sort of the unofficial slogan of our church, which why we have it uh, behind me uh, and Jason and Nathan when we preach every week. And I like that. But today, I don't want to talk about loving everyone always because, you see, for a church that the slogan is loving everyone always and we want to be a place where we bless our community and that we are for, for people in our world, for us to be that kind of place, you would think that our relationships would be great and every parent-child relationship in our church would be great and all the marriages in our church would be great and all the work relationships in our church would be great, that every relationship in our world, since we're the love everyone always people, that those all would be great. But they're not. So we want to drill down in this series on not loving everyone and not being for people that are just around you, but how do you love the people that are closest to you? How do you become a person who's actually loving the people that are really close to you? So this series is going to be about relationships. And whether you're married and your relationship's going great or your relationship isn't going great, this is for you. If you're here and you're single and you hope to be married one day, this is for you. If you're single and you hope I ever want to be married, this is for you. If you're a person that at all, here's what I know about you. You have some relationships in your neighborhood, friends you've had for a while, and work relationships, and they matter to you. And all of us have the chance to really destroy relationships that matter to us. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series, how do we get that right? 
And today, I bet you can guess by the video that preceded me, today we're talking about communication and communicating with each other in code. I, I want to read you uh, something to sort of kick this off. It's a, it's a diary entry from a woman who's married to a computer engineer. This is one particular day in her diary. Uh, it's her entry about a day, and she's married to a computer engineer. Here, here's what she wrote. Tonight, we made plans to meet at a nice restaurant. I'd been shopping with my friends all day long, and I thought he was upset because I was late, but he made no comment on it. The conversation just wasn't flowing. I suggested we go somewhere quiet to talk. I asked him what was wrong. He said, nothing. I asked, is it my fault? Are you upset because I was late? He said, I'm not upset. It has nothing to do with you. Don't worry. On the way home, I told him I loved him. He smiled sl slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I'd lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, in the silence, I went to bed. Fifteen minutes later, he came to bed, but he was still absent. His thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep, and I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. Now here is her computer, husband, computer engineer husband's journal entry that day. My computer code is broken. I don't know what's wrong. That's it. That's all that was going on. Communication. It, it can blow up a relationship when just the simplest of things. So, for the next five weeks, we're going to talk to you about what it is that builds relationship and what winds up destroying relationship, and we're going to do it from a research-based perspective. In fact, the research we're going to talk to you about comes from a group called Prepare and Enrich, and they've been using this um, research for the last 40 years. They developed an assessment out of it. They've used it in over, with over 100,000 different counselors, over 4 million couples have been through this, and they use it to determine what leads to happy, healthy marriages and relationships, and what that can help them become, go from being conflicted and troubled to being happy and healthy. And they came up with the things that are the top things that lead to growing relationships and the things that we do that destroy them. And again, I just want to say to you, this has been done in, by four million couples in different cultures around the world, different ethnicities, what we're going to talk to you about is, is research-based. And so we're going to be talking over the next five weeks about each of the top five things that wind up destroying relationships. And again, this does not just apply to marriage. It does not just apply to those kind of relationships. The things we're going to talk about apply in every relationship. And the number one relationship killer is communication or lack thereof in the relationship. In fact, in this study, they said communication was the area that was found to be the particular indicator of happy couples, of happy relationships. And the issue is whether the partners feel like they are really being heard, whether they can talk to each other and they feel like the partner in their relationship hears them. See, the fastest way for a relationship to get off track is with bad communication. In fact, here's what I know for sure. Whether it's at work or it's with a friendship or with anything else, 
When you have a clogged up relationship pipeline, every other problem in your life gets worse. And when you have good relationship, almost every, uh, a good communication in a relationship, almost every problem can be solved if the relationship pipeline is flowing and going well. And so I want to talk to you today about this idea of communication. And I'm convinced that you cannot do this thing right unless we first realize something that's vitally important. You and me, we speak foreign languages to each other. It's like I'm saying one thing and you're hearing something else. It's like every person you talk to, you're speaking a different language to them. You know why it feels like that sometimes? Because we are. I mean, to some degree. I mean, the truth is we're different people from different places with different families, with different wounds, with different things that have happened to us, and we each develop our own different reactions to those things. And so when we come at things, we speak almost a total different language to the person that we're talking to. In fact, uh, when I write down uh, to you that I want to say something to another person and I want to try to get it across, it's really important that I understand they may not hear it exactly the way that I'm going to say it. We have to learn to speak the language that they can hear. That's what love actually does. In fact, everyone that's an expert on relationships agrees that other-centered communication is the most important relational skill. From learning how to speak the way that they can hear, but also learning to listen in a way that they can be heard. You cannot make sense of what's being said in a relationship when you're focused on your own part in the relationship. Others-centered communication is the key. Now, here's what the Prepare Enrich study has found. The top three of ten indicators of successful, happy relationships, marriage and relationships, is how happy and satisfied I am when I talk to the other person. My partner understands how I feel. I feel like my partner is a really good listener to me. See, other-centered communication is how you spell love in a relationship, being focused on what the other person is saying. That's what love is. It's what love does in relationships. It's being focused on what's being communicated. It's at the core of loving everybody always and loving them well. By the way, other-centered communication, if you get good at other-centered communication, let's say, for instance, that you're in sales and you want to sell something, being other-centered in the selling game is what will make your sales go up. You want to get promoted at work? Having other-centered communication makes it easier for you to get promoted. It's why you get jobs other people don't. It's why some jobs don't come to you that might normally go to you because you're not really good at communication. Communication is the number one skill in business that can also get you promotion. See, what we want to talk about uh, over the, the next few weeks, and particularly in this first week of relationships, is I want to give you a very simple formula so you and I can learn to have other-centered kind of communication when we talk to each other. And you'll know that those of you who know me that I didn't come up with this because it's an acronym and I don't do acronyms, but it was so good and I want this to be an other-centered talk that I decided to use it. It's L-O-V-E. It's easy for you to remember, and if you'll buy into these and you'll really begin to try to do them, they really do uh, work. Here's what we need to be doing. We need to 
listen, open up, validate, and then express calmly. But it all begins with that one skill of listening. So let's do a little listening IQ test this morning, and everybody play along. I just want you to be honest. You don't have to say it out loud to anybody else, unless you want to communicate it to them. But be honest about your own listening ability. So, here we go. Number one, when I'm listening, I'm often thinking about, A, what I'm going to say next, or B, what's wrong with what they're saying, or C, all that I should be doing, or D, whether I understand what they meant to say, or E, how did the Braves give up 10 runs in the first inning of a playoff game? Okay, just be honest, which, which one of those is you? How did that happen? How did they get, uh, anyway. Second question. People I'm closest to most likely would say, A, I talk more than I listen. B, I'm often defensive. C, I'm often distracted when listening. D, I listen pretty well. Or E, they feel really understood by me. Now, of course, if you don't listen really well, you don't know what they think about you, so you might as well choose E. I'm sure, I'm sure it's true. I mean, here's the key to listening. And this would be so brilliant, you'll be shocked. In the game of listening, you don't get to determine whether you are a good listener or not. In listening, they determine whether you're a listener or not. Isn't that brilliant? It's the other person that determines how good you are at this. See, it's amazing to me how often I've had couples in my office and they're going back and forth and one partner is saying, uh, hey, they don't really listen to me. And the other person starts arguing that they do listen because they heard every word and they compared it back. And I want to go, it's the perfect example. You're not listening because you're arguing about whether you listen or not. And they're saying you don't listen. You are the example of what they are saying. Because the truth is, you can hear everything that's said without really listening. Hearing and listening, they aren't the same thing. And it's taken me a long time to get that clear in my mind. In fact, I'm still learning this lesson. Hearing, hearing's passive. Hearing is just being able to know the words that were said. Listening, it's exceptionally active. I mean, you can be hearing what I'm saying right now, and you can be thinking about a hundred different things. I said, you can hear the words I'm saying right now and be thinking about a hundred different things. You know what I mean? We all tend to do it in situations like this. Listening is active. It's trying to understand. That's why the brother of Jesus, a guy named James, he writes in the Bible, he says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Now, I'm convinced, I, I'm completely convinced that most relationships could solve almost any problem they have if we could just get this one thing down. I mean, if we could become really good at listening to each other. But how many of us do exactly opposite of what this says? We hear something, and then we're quick to speak, and that causes everybody to get angry. So, I just say to you, learning to listen, it, it's not natural to anybody. It, it takes a lot of work. 
It takes a lot of intentionality as well to get good at really listening to the other person. And I think, honestly, it takes the help of God to be involved in changing this pattern in our life. I think it's why Jesus said to us, hey, you should do for other people what you want them to do for you. This fulfills all that God has for you. In fact, that one thing, it later becomes known as the law of love. He says, the whole law, everything that God wants you to know, it's summed up in this. Just do for other people what you would want them to do for you. And here's what I know about all of us. We want people to really hear what we're saying. We, we want them to listen. We, we don't want them to judge what they think they heard. We don't want them to react to what they thought our motives were. We want them to hear and to listen and to listen very well. We want them to listen thoroughly and get who we are and what we're trying to say. But even though we all want that, we aren't so quick to do for other people what we wish they were doing for us. It's because we need God's help to get this done. We need his help to do for other people what needs to be done. So to listen actively, we, we've really got to pay attention. Now, just think about those two words for a minute, pay attention. When, when you pay something, it costs you. And paying attention, it costs you something in the moment. It, it means giving up your thoughts to try to get the thoughts of the other person. I have to pay my attention to them. Realize... You can't pay attention without focus. You, you're, you're investing in the relationship when you pay attention. And when you really pay attention, it pays dividends in every relationship. Daniel Goleman, who is the emotional intelligence guru of our, our generation, in fact, I think he invented the phrase emotional intelligence, he writes this, listening is the single most important relational skill a person can develop. Astute Asking astute questions, being open-minded and understanding, not interrupting, seeking suggestions, all communicate to the other person, they matter. It's the single most important relational skill because I guarantee you, when you feel like other people are really listening to you until they understand exactly who you are and what you were trying to say, instead of having... You love that more than you love being around big talkers who want to make sure you understand what they have to say. So here's the question. What if all of us who are followers of Christ at Community Christian, what if we became those people? What if we became those people who really listened well? It's, it's a huge part of following Jesus. In fact, one guy did a study on how you the communication style of Jesus just from the four biographies of his we have in, in the New Testament. And he found out that Jesus was asked 183 questions. He only answered three of them directly. Well, while he was asked 183, he asked 306 questions. So Jesus certainly talked, and we remember what he had to say, but Jesus was listening. He asked more questions and heard what people had to say more than he talked. People that listen well... That's what they tend to do. And they become attractive like Jesus was attractive. And that's what he wants for all of us. So here's what I want to say to you for us to all together try practicing this week. In every conversation that I go into with every person I meet and every encounter, but particularly with those that I'm closest with, while I'm listening, I should be asking myself, 
Am I loving this person right now? Am I really paying attention? Am I investing in them so that they feel understood in this moment? And remember, they get to determine whether you're a good listener or not. So, if we want to love the other person and build great relationships, we start by listening. But then the second one of those is we open ourselves up to new interpretations. See, when you track down relational problems, often they're caused by people who feel like they heard something and they didn't really listen to the other person. But the reason that happens is because it's really hard to listen well. And there are a couple of reasons that it's hard to listen well. See, what happens when we're often talking to people, particularly if there's any emotion at all involved on either side of the relationship? They say something, and we quickly decide what they meant by what they say, and that triggers something in us, and then we react to it, and then they say something back, and the whole thing begins to go down the toilet. We, we hear what we think they said. We are convinced that what we think is right. We react to that emotionally, and the whole thing begins to spin out of control. It's especially true, especially true in close friendships and close relationships. Generally, the first thing you think you heard is often not exactly what they meant. But we have to really work on trying to hear and opening ourselves up to what's actually going on. And there's a couple of problems with this. Here, here, here's the first one. The average human being thinks at 100 words, or speaks at 100 words a minute, but we all think at about 400 words a minute. Now, I know you know some people that you think, well, they talk at 400 words a minute, but it's clear they're only thinking at 100 words a minute. Uh, but let's just be clear. For the average group of us, which we're about as average as they come, we can talk at about 100 words a minute, and we listen, we're thinking while we're listening at 400 words a minute. That means in every conversation, you are adding about 300 words to what's being said to you. About 75% of what you think you heard is not what was actually said. You added 300 words to what they said. And then you spew back your 100 words, at which point they're adding 300 words to what you said. And everything gets way off track and it gets out of hand. If we want to communicate, I mean, it's why communication is so frustrating to us. It's why we have to be open to the fact that what I think I heard may not be what they actually meant to say. Maybe there's something else going on in this, so I have to ask, is that what you're really saying? What I heard, is that what you're saying? But then there's another reason that we often don't get to that question, is I hear them say what they ought to say, 400 words are coming in my mind while they're saying it, and something in that triggers me. And in that moment that I get emotionally triggered, I react emotionally to what they say. I take the 300 words that I've added to it. I spew it all back at them, and everything begins to then trigger in them. And what I have to get to is I have to admit, I heard them say something. Something triggered in me, and I added to it. And what I added to it, it often has nothing to do with them. It has to do with the insecurity in me that maybe it's a parental voice that I hear speaking. Maybe it's all the negative voices in my head. Maybe it's the things that our culture are telling us about people in our world. But 
I have to admit the fact that not everything I think I heard is what they actually said in this thing. Sometimes I'm adding a lot more voices to what they said than actually what was going on. And this is where it's important for us to admit. Some of those voices, they're not really helpful to me. And it's not helpful to the relationship I'm building. And it's why this emotional trigger gets us so off track. And I just want to say to you, this is why having a relationship with God in this moment is so important. And if you're not in a place yet where you have a relationship with God, I hope you'll at least try to hear what I'm saying of why I think it's important. See, all of us want to be heard. We all want to be understood. We want our motives to be seen rightly, and not just what we said, but what we were wanting to say, what we wanted to communicate. But it's really hard for a person to do that. But God knows us. God knows what we think. God knows what we feel. God knows what we've been through. God knows what we're trying to say. He knows the intent of our heart and the words that we need to communicate us. God knows the good about us, the bad about us. He knows when we try to manipulate things. He knows when we're trying to be off track. God knows even the character defects I have and the sins that I commit. And in spite of that, God completely loves me. God completely accepts me. God completely wants me. God is the one that there's no condemnation before him. There's no reason to be apart from him. In fact, it's why we're told in the Bible that it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. He paid for us. He let us know how much value we have to him. His acceptance comes to us even when we're wrong. And he wants to empower us to then offer that to everyone in our world. So here's, here's what I want us to do this week when you, when you feel triggered, when you think you heard something and you're about to react emotionally, I want you to first just know, hey, there's a pretty good chance 75% of what I think I heard, 75% of what I think is going on is actually probably a voice that's coming from inside of me, somewhere deep inside of me. And here's what I want you to do in that moment, if you can admit that. I want you to just take a moment and internally say to God, God, in this moment, will you help me grow spiritually? God, will, will you help me to know that I am loved, that I'm included, that I am wanted, that you are for me, and you are with me, that I'm the loved child of the Most High God, and in this moment, will you help me treat this person the way you treat me? I'm telling you, if you can begin to do that, you may have just heard the most important thing that I will say to you today. Love listens. And love opens up to the fact that what I heard might not be completely what was said. I open myself up to a different way of seeing it. But, you know... If you're getting it right, you won't know unless in that moment you validate what is being said. What I mean by that is you've got to ask if that's what was really going on. And I'll tell you, it took me a long, long time in my marriage to get this right. And it was really complicated by the fact that it took me a long time to accept that Becky and I we're not the same person. We're, we're not even close to the same person. The biggest difference between us is 
I'm this big, loud, external kind of thinker. And what I mean by that, I'm, I have to talk everything out. Every, every thought that I have, I'm talking about it out loud. And I'm actually thinking as I'm talking out loud. Uh, but when I say it, because of how, how strong I say it, because of my personality, it sounds like I'm fully convinced of everything I say. But what I'm hoping will happen is as I'm talking to somebody about it, they'll engage with me on it and they'll go, have you thought about it? And I'll listen to their idea and I'll go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good idea. And then I'll take their idea and I'll combine it with mine. I'll make it my own and I will totally never give them credit for it. It will just be mine. But that's not my wife. That's not Becky. Becky is an internal processor. She, she has to sit quietly and think about things and she wants to write things down and she wants to think it all out as perfectly as she can. She wants to write out a plan. She wants to make sure that she's got everything as right as she can. And when she finally decides to talk about it, she's telling you what she is presenting to you is the perfect plan. Now, go do this. Can you see the problem? For a long time, a long, long time, here's what I would hear. Becky would come out, and she'd start talking, and she'd begin to present me in the plan. In the middle of it, I'd interrupt her because I thought she wanted feedback, like I want feedback. I'd interrupt her, and I'd say, have you thought about it? How about this? Could we do something else? How about this? Which said to her, your plan isn't as perfect as you want, and the whole thing got off track. It took me a long time, uh, 35 years. <laughs> well, it, it didn't take that long, but it did take a while until somebody could help me begin to see, hey, what you need to do in that moment instead of interrupting, you first need to make sure you're hearing what happens and you, get, you need to ask. I begin to say, hey, I hear that you have a plan for what you want to do. Did I understand the plan exactly the way? I think this is what you said. I heard you say this kind of thing. And she would say yes. For some of you are in a relationship and what the other person really is, they're speaking out of emotion. And there that, it's that old thing of they don't really want you to fix anything. They just want to know that you heard it. You need to say to them, hey, I heard what you're saying. I, it feels like you're frustrated. Hey, I heard what you're saying. It sounds like that was really hard. I'm so sorry. You don't have to do anything. You just have to make sure you're hearing exactly what they're saying. And the only way to do that is to ask. Is to ask, did I hear it? And the way you do that is you paraphrase back. You say, I heard you say this. Is, is that right? Now, I know, I know, I know that paraphrasing feels clumsy. I know it doesn't feel natural. It feels like I should, I'm almost insulting them by paraphrasing back. But I guarantee you, if you will try it, it will work. Of course, it doesn't feel natural because we aren't other-centered in our communication. But when I ask, the focus is on what did you say? Okay, now here's where that gets hard sometimes. You listen, you really pay attention, you validate that you heard what they said, and once you finally get what they said, you understand they are completely wrong. And everything in you wants to fix it right now. Here's what I want to say to you. Warning, warning, back away. Do not try to fix it right now. If you do, you will blow all the hard work you did in the LOV stage of this. You have to trust 
that if I listen, if I pay attention, if I validate, I'm building in the relationship, I'm making deposits, that's going to give me an opportunity. There will be time. I do not have to fix it right this moment. I can just walk away right now. There will be another chance for me to do the E part, which is then I express it calmly. So I listen, I open up to, maybe I didn't hear exactly what I thought I heard. I get the new interpretation. I validate that by asking you questions. And then once I've understood, I express what I feel I should say in the conversation about what you've said. Now, if you're in a situation where both of you have already done this and you're with a friend of yours and you all have a difference of opinion and you both are ready to express, here's what I would suggest. Let's flip a coin. Somebody go first, and the other person do the LOV part. You listen, you, you, know, you open yourself up, you validate, and then you take your turn after that, and you express calmly to them what they say. But the key to expressing calmly is this. You make sure you make I statements, not you statements. Hey, you always make me feel, uh, that's not going to go well. You always start with, hey, when this happens, I, I feel like, I may be wrong, but I feel this kind of way. You statements sound like an accusation, and all the person's left with is to be defensive or to say, hey, how misunderstood they are. You didn't really listen to me. I statements are taking it back on you. Hey, I often feel like I'm not as important to you when I'm not included with everybody else. And then the third thing is when you ask for something to happen, to change in the relationship. Once you've understood and you've done all that, make sure you ask, you don't demand. You express the change that you want to, but you express it in the, in, in, in the, in the phrase of, I'm hoping this will happen. I'm asking this would happen. Could this happen? I'm, I'm asking, hey, when you get home at night, could, could we spend some time and connect and talk about our day before you start watching TV? Hey, before you start taking care of the kids, could could, could you put your phone down and when we're talking, would you, would you not react to the notifications and would you look me in the eye so we could talk? You know what? When you do that, you're behaving exactly the way that God treats us. I don't know if you've tracked with this L-O-V-E process, but this is exactly what God does for human beings. God doesn't demand. God certainly has things he wants to change in my life that he wants to change in your life, that God wants us to do what is best for us. But God never expresses it in terms of, you have to do this. God instead, he offers us the chance. We get to choose. Because God is completely loving towards us at every moment. So when I express, I express calmly. And I want to express it in giving them the opportunity to choose what they do. Now, the good news for this is, whether you're 11 and you're listening to me or you're 80 and you're listening to me, everybody in this room can do it. It may be easier for you when you're 11 because you're just learning new skills and harder for you when you're 80 because you've got other tracks worn in your life. But the truth is, everybody can do it. We won't do it perfectly. You won't do it perfectly for a while, but you can do it. And God will be with you in this as you particularly as a follower of Christ, as you try to do what he's asked us to do, and you love the people that are around you, and we particularly love those that are closest to us, and we build happy, healthy relationships together as we do the hard work of loving one another by communicating well. Or 
You can choose that you don't want to listen well, and you convince yourself that everything you thought you heard is exactly what you heard, and you don't validate any of it. You just react emotionally, and you demand that you get your way and congratulate yourself on the fact you are on the track to blow your relationships up, and it may not take 30 days. But I'm praying. You'll be back for the whole rest of this series, the research-based opportunities we have to build great relationships, and this week that we'll begin to practice L-O-V-E together. God will be with you. If you'll stand right now, I'll pray for you. God, I pray that you'll be with these people who have taken time to join in with us today and that you'll give us the strength to do this for each other and that you'll be with us as we try to build great relationships and really love the people around us. Thank you that you do this for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great week.